I'm Shepard Ferry, and you're listening to Full Service Radio. Recorded live from the lobby of the Lion Hotel in downtown Austin, Texas. In 2008, focusing on Obama was about him as somebody who was inspiring, but mostly about the issues he was pushing forward. And what I've done even more since then is drill down on things that I care about. Sometimes there'll be someone in politics that I want to support because I think they're moving in the right direction. But what I really hope is that people look at the issues rather than looking at the personalities. I'm Shepard Ferry. I'm an artist known for my street art, my clothing line, Obey, the Barack Obama Hope poster, and the We the People posters for the Women's March in 2017 that I collaborated with Amplifier Foundation on. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Growing up in Charleston, there wasn't a lot of hip culture. And in fact, I really only listened to Top 40 radio and drew and painted Typical things like, you know, local architecture, the marshlands, still lives, until I discovered skateboarding and punk rock at the beginning of 1984. I always loved to to draw and paint and make stuff, but skateboarding also gave me that physical outlet and the culture, the aggression, the the nonconformity. So I had a whole new venue to put my creativity into, and it was, you know, visceral and cerebral in some ways, too. That made a big difference for me, listening to bands like The Clash, The Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, Bad Brains, Minor Threat, really made me think how art can be used to convey a message. When I was really young, I I liked to draw a lot, and I knew that I was decent at it, but I don't think I, I, I thought about art as a career because I had a lot of hyper energy and I love to do things like throw water balloons at cars and run around the neighborhood climbing on everyone's walls and things like that. I thought that it would be a lot more fun to do something physical. So I was serious about soccer and tennis. And I think like a lot of kids, I had this idea, maybe I would get good enough at one of those things to do that for a living. But art was just something that stayed with me. And especially when I realized I wouldn't be a good enough skateboarder to turn pro sort of, you know, mid late high school, I, I thought, well, maybe that's an industry I could work in creatively. Maybe I could design t-shirt graphics or skateboard graphics. When I look at what I do now, it's really just the more, I guess, focused version of, of a lot of my childhood mischief. You know, I loved the way bands would put flyers up and they would wheat paste those up. And skateboarding, you're adapting to the landscape. So when I got into street art, making wheat paste and going out and using the cityscape for my own purposes was perfectly aligned with skateboarding and punk rock. It was a natural transition. The summer after my freshman year of college at the Rhode Island School of Design in 1989, I was making a lot of homemade t-shirts of stuff that I wanted, but I'd make a few extras to sell at the skate shop where I worked because I was only getting paid $4.25 an hour and I needed 
to subsidize my income. My boss was never there. So I would just make a homemade Misfits, uh, Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Clash, Cramps t-shirt because I wanted it for myself. And then I would make a couple of extras while I had the screen and I'd go in there and I'd sell them. One night, a friend wanted to learn how to make a stencil. And so I just looked through the newspaper for a random picture for him to practice on and came across um, an ad for wrestling with Andre the Giant. He got frustrated with that. So I made it and I made some stickers as an inside joke with my crew, which um, we were all listening to a lot of hip hop. So we weren't saying crew anymore. We were now saying posse. So that's where the Andre the Giant has a posse came from. And then that just caught on virally. It didn't have any deep meaning. It was just a you know, whimsical inside joke. But the way people responded to it, like a Rorschach test, made me realize that anything that disrupts the normal flow of commercial signage and advertising and government signage makes some people uncomfortable and makes other people gleeful because they like that it's a little static in this in the uh, you know the status quo. And I was fascinated by that, so I started to think about what that meant about how people align themselves around the control of public space and submitting to authority or questioning it. And it made me want to push the campaign further. So I did some research about things that I thought maybe were analogous. And um, Heidegger's theory of phenomenology came up and um, the Situationist International came up. And I was a huge fan of the Sex Pistols and they were big fans of the Situationists. So that was a nice tie-in that made me feel like, okay, yeah, you know, this is, uh, this is sort of artsy philosophical stuff, but the Sex Pistols are into it. The way the hope poster and campaign for Obama came about is that I'd been creating a lot of work opposing George Bush's agenda, the war in Iraq, the shrinking freedoms under the Patriot Act. And so I saw Obama as an antidote to the Bush program. And I didn't do the poster officially with the campaign. I did it as an independent grassroots effort, but I put a free download on my website and I printed a few hundred posters that I put some up on the street. I sold the other ones. And then I used the money from the ones I sold to print up another 10,000. And then I just kept rolling money into making more and eventually made 300,000 posters and half a million stickers with the support of a lot of other people too. But it was never officially with the Obama campaign, but because it took off virally so quickly, they were really happy and they were sending people from different Democratic offices around the country to me to get posters. And I think they liked that it had a little bit of a of an outsider, you know, more more edgy feel than a lot of the stuff they were creating. I mean, the, the graphics within politics are so safe and tame. You know, and I think that poster worked well because it was still pretty safe and tame, but it wasn't the usual thing you would see. And that so it was was just distinctive enough to not scare people away, but bring in some younger people who were excited about it. And uh, I knew when I made the Hope poster and it went so viral that it would be somewhat of a, of a, of a lightning rod. Exciting because it introduced my work to a much bigger audience, but it also meant that a lot of the people who think that acknowledging mainstream politics in any way is a compromise or a sellout move. 
I got a lot of blowback from those people. And, you know, I've been doing my thing for 30 years. I've been arrested 18 times and I've spent a lot of time pushing back against things in the system, but I also see opportunities to infiltrate the system and make it better from within. I call it the inside outside strategy. So, you know, the Obama poster was, was a pretty crazy thing, how big it went. And it, um, there was a lot I learned from it. There were, there, there were some issues with copyright that I had to deal with. So there were stresses, but you know, in, in the end, I'm, I'm proud of it because it showed that you don't have to be a, a billionaire or somebody from a, a huge corporation to make an impact outside of just voting that, you know, we, we all have ways to use our voices and relative to a lot of the powers that control most of politics, I'm very insignificant. And yet people consider that poster as having made a big impact. I have some friends who are involved in the Line Hotel in LA and they invited me to do a mural there, which is about the same height as this one here in Austin, but narrower. And it was much easier. It's a simpler image. It's a peace tree. I used to have my my design studio right down the street from the Line Hotel LA. So I was excited to do something there in Koreatown. But the line in Austin came about because I work with a gallery in Montreal called Station 16. And they facilitated a project for me in, in Denver. They had a relationship with Sandra Chevrier, whose work I really like. And so when they suggested that we do a collaboration to celebrate the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote, I was totally into that because obviously a woman should be leading the charge on that project. I'm an ally. And it's nice to show solidarity between genders because that's how the world should be. Yeah, Sandra makes these portraits where she wraps uh, masks around the faces of the women she, and then she photographs them and paints them. And the masks always have collage with comic book heroes and things like that. And because I use collage in my work, it was easy for me to take the reference photo that she took after sending me a sketch and I made a couple suggestions and then working back in with some of my own material and the end result has rips through it that are painted in my style and her style. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a merging of the two in, you know, collage, just like collage is used in the piece. So it's kind of meta. I don't think too far ahead in what I'm trying to do with my career, because I think it's a bit paralyzing. I try to just go with my instincts on what I want to do, what I like to do, and then also responding to what's going on in the world. And I'm always looking at these sort of universal aesthetic and conceptual principles that I can weave into something that's going on now so that the piece works in the moment, but also will still resonate over time. And it's not always easy, but I don't want to be reactionary, but I want to be responsible in just being a good citizen and using my art, uh, you know, for more than just selfish purposes is how I can do that. Oh, <laughs>